This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 117. I want to take a moment right now to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio.com, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. So in this episode, I wanted to give my personal predictions for 2021 in the camera world, So I'm going to give you my prediction list. I'm not going to say it's an all-inclusive list. I'm not an expert on all of the camera manufacturers. I'm covering primarily the big four, Um, but I will give a little bit on the, uh, some of the other manufacturers at the tail end of the episode. So let's get into this and I will give you my predictions for 2021. So first up, it has been leaked that Canon is going to release an R7 APS-C RF mount camera body as the successor to its highly popular 7D and 7D Mark II. Now, my predictions for this camera, it will feature 20 frames per second, the same human and animal IAF as the R5 and the R6. Now, it will have the same form factor as the R6 with the same lower resolution EVF, I believe it will have the same 20 megapixel sensor as the 7D Mark II and the R6, but Canon might switch it up for a 24 megapixel sensor. Now, I'm just guessing on that. Uh, I'm leaning more towards they're probably going to stick with 20 megapixels, but they might bump it up a little bit. Now, Tony, Tony Northrup seems to think they may go up to 34 or 36 megapixels, but I disagree. I think they're going to tend to stick with what they've been using in the 7D and the 7D Mark II, which is about 20 megapixels. Now, I do agree with him that it will have dual card slots, and the card slots will be one SD UHS-2 and then a CF Express Type B as the secondary card slot, as it will need something fast for the 20 frames per second, as well as the 4K 60p video. Now, the camera will be fully weather sealed and rugged for those shooting sports and wildlife, so this will also be a hugely popular camera. I also disagree with Tony, as he believes the R7 will be priced at around $2,000, I think Canon will try to stay close to the original $1,500 price point of the 7D and 7D Mark II when they came out. And I also disagree with Tony. He doesn't think that they'll include image uh, sensor stabilization in this model, but I think there's a good possibility that they will, especially being it's going to be a sports shooter. But I could be wrong. We'll have to wait and see. And I'm not saying any of this to bash Tony. These are just my personal beliefs versus his 2021 camera predictions. So... Take it as you will. I'm not, you know, an oracle. I don't see all, know all. I'm just giving you my predictions. And that is strictly that. So next, uh, Sony is going to unveil the a7 IV, which will be their next camera in the a7 line. Now, I believe this body will stick with Sony's 24 megapixel sensor as in all previous models of the a7 line, although most likely improved a bit and more than likely with the newer processor. Now, I predict they might bump up the frames per second to 12, 
uh, throughout all of the shooting modes. I believe they will also add their more advanced human and animal IAF and have dual UHS-2 card slots, and they'll completely drop the duo card support like they've had on some of the previous models. Now, I would also love to see them add the new menu system from the A7S 3 as it has been well-received and is way better than their old menu system. So whether or not they'll do that, I don't know. So far, they've only used it in the A7S 3 but everybody is hoping and keeping their fingers crossed that it'll make its way into more of Sony's cameras going forward. I personally think it will, especially when it's been highly popular as a new menu system. I think they'll continue using it. Now, this camera will still most likely be priced at about $2,000. So no major change as far as the price goes. Uh, Sony wants to keep this A7 uh, basic line going, so they're going to do that with the a7 IV in 2021. I predict it'll probably be released in the first quarter. May get delayed some because of the pandemic, but then again, it may not. So we'll just have to wait and see. Now, the third prediction I'm going to make is back to Canon again, and I believe Canon will release their first flagship mirrorless full-frame camera called the R1. Now, this will be a replacement for the 1DX Mark III and be built to the same rugged specs with the same massive battery. Now, I predict the sensor will also stay at 20.1 megapixels thereabouts, as that has been the staple for their flagship DSLRs for years and years, and it especially helps with low-light performance to say with a smaller megapixel sensor. Now, I'm predicting that the R1 will have the same stellar human and animal eye detect autofocus as well as in-body image stabilization. I believe it's possible. Now, I also believe it's possible that Canon go will go with dual CF Express Type B card slots for better performance, as of course, this will be Canon's new camera for shooting the Olympics and other high-level sports. Now, I also predict that this might be Canon's first camera with their new quad pixel autofocus system, a major upgrade from their current dual pixel AF Mark II. And I also predict Canon will up the frames per second on this new flagship to 30 or possibly even 40 frames. And I believe the price tag is probably going to be around $6,500 to $7,000. Some people are saying possibly as high as $8,000. I don't think they'll go quite that high, but I definitely think it's going to be up from the current $6,000 price tag of their flagship DSLRs when they release a new model. So we're definitely going to see an increase in price, but you're also going to see considerable increases in performance as well. Now, the fourth prediction, Canon will finally release their much-anticipated R5S to replace the 5DS and 5D, uh, 5DS RDSLR cameras. This camera, I'm predicting, will feature a 90-megapixel sensor and most likely have the same form factor as the R5. Now, it will feature the dual-pixel AF2, their enhanced uh, human and animal IAF from the R5, and the sensor in-body image stabilization as well, or sensor stabilization, whichever you want to call it. It will have um, dual UHS-2 slots, as this camera will be made more for stills. They don't have a need for a second screaming fast card slot like CF Express Type B. I predict it will have probably seven frames per second max. They may even stick with five frames a second from the DSLR days. 
Um, and the video will be limited to 1080p 60 more than likely. Video is going to be more of an afterthought with this camera, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. The people looking to buy this camera will not care about video. This camera will be for landscapes and studio portraits and offer massive high resolution raw files that are perfect for massive billboards and other type of ad campaigns. It will be rugged, it'll be weather sealed, and it'll be priced at about $3,600 price point. Now, I'm also hoping, and this is a little of a side prediction for this body, I'm hoping that Canon will also make it compatible with the battery grip that they released for the R5 and R6. Now, I'm not talking about the, the more expensive $1,000 battery grip that's also a file transfer system. No, I'm just talking about the basic battery grip that's compatible with both the R5 and the R6. I'm hoping it'll also be compatible with this model, the R5S, and that you'll be able to use it on this camera as well. That would be phenomenal and a huge, huge positive thing for Canon to do for their shooters, for their customers, uh, the buyers of their cameras. So I think that would be a fantastic thing. Whether or not they'll do it or if they'll release a separate battery grip for it, I really hope not. It just gets to be overkill with every camera having its own unique battery grip. It's just ridiculous. It's like, get away from that crap. You did great. You made a battery grip that fit both the R5 and the R6. Then, yes, you made the more expensive battery grip slash file transfer system that only worked with the R5. That's fine if you want to go that route. But please make the R5S use the same battery grip as the R5 and R6. That would be phenomenal. All right. So fifth up is going to be Sony's next A9 variant. But first, let me take a quick break and I will be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Liam Photography Podcast. You can visit the homepage for the show at liamphotographypodcast.com for show notes and links. You can call or text the show at 470-294-8191 with questions, comments, or requests for future episodes. If you prefer not to call or text, you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. Also, check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group, and you can find us on Twitter at LiamPhotoATL. On Twitter, you can tweet the show. Just insert the hashtag LiamPhotoPodcast. And now, back to the show. All right, and we're back. So picking up where I was talking about, what I first started talking about before I went to the break, the uh, Sony's next A9 variant. It's possible it will be called the A9 Mark III, but... I think there's also a strong possibility it may have a slightly different designation as I think the next A9 body is going to be Canon's first major flagship sports camera. And I think it's going to be their direct competition to the 1DX Mark III slash R1 that Canon's going to release. So it's possible maybe they'll call it something like the A9X or A9S. A9X, I'm thinking for extreme or S for sports. I don't know. I could be wrong. It may just be the A93. But I think it's going to feature 30 to 40 frames per second for professional sports and to give Canon a run for their money in that market. Now, I predict Sony will stick with the same 24 megapixel sensor and the five axis image stabilization as the A92. I believe Sony will make it a dual CF Express Type B camera and it'll have 4K 120 video as well. 
Now it'll have new dual processors for handling the fast-paced sports shooting world, but possibly a more beefy form factor with a much larger battery. Again, it to be more in direct competition with Canon's 1DX line and predicted R1 sports line. So I predict it will sport a LAN port as well for tethered shooting and a price tag of around 5,500 to 6,000, maybe a little bit higher. Those are just my thoughts. That's my prediction for this particular body. Now sixth will be Fuji's already rumored GFX100S medium format mirrorless flagship camera. Now I believe Fuji will stick with the same 102 megapixel sensor that is in the current GFX100. It will not be a rangefinder style body and will have more of the GFX50S's video capabilities. It'll feature the same frames per second as the current model, as again, it is not a sports camera. And it'll have the IBIS dual SD UHS-2 card slots. The price will still be around $10,000. We don't have a whole lot more even in the way of rumors for this camera, but that is my prediction. And uh, I think it's going to be a highly successful camera, just like the GFX100 is. Uh, I would like to go to the GFX100 series at some point, but $10,000 is quite a bit of money for a body, so maybe I will someday, maybe I won't. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Okay, now seventh will be Nikon's Z8, Z9 mirrorless full-frame cameras. Whether they're going to make one or bo both, at this point, we still don't know. Rumors are Nikon has been playing around with several prototypes in the field of varying specs. Anywhere from a 47 to a 65 megapixel sensor with IBIS and at least 20 frames per second, maybe even 30 um, is a possibility. It'll feature dual card slots. I'm predicting that more than likely both of them will be CF Express Type B. They'll be built rugged like the 5D or 60 because I think either the Z8 or Z9, whichever designation they go with, or maybe they're going to make two bodies. The Z8 will be more like a mirrorless replacement for the D850. So I'm thinking it's extremely possible that the Z8 may be the mirrorless replacement for the D850 and possibly the Z9 could be their mirrorless flagship body to replace the, 5D, or the D5 and the D6. We'll have to wait and see, um, but I think that's a good possibility. Uh, the one that does become their flagship replacement uh, to kill off the, six, uh, the D6 um, will, of course, be built rugged like the D5 or D6 with a massive size battery and a price tag of between $6,500 and $7,000. That's my prediction on that. Now, eighth is the Nikon Z30, which is rumored to be Nikon's next APS-C Z-mount body after the Z50, which has been highly successful. Now, there's various rumored specs for this camera, but at this point, Nikon rumors is saying all the specs and rumors are nothing but clickbait, so I'm not going to go over them again. I did talk about them in a previous News and Rumors episode, so I'm not going to go into that again. Now, wrapping up, as far as anything from Olympus, which is now owned by Japanese industrial products, um, I don't know what they might be releasing in the near future now that they own the Olympus brand, and I'm also not sure what Panasonic might be coming out with. Now, I don't have any concrete predictions for those two makers, but I do believe that Micro Four Thirds will not be going anywhere anytime soon. Now, Tony Northrup has gone back and forth. First, he says Micro Four Thirds is dead. Then he talks about he predicts they're going to come out with new cameras in 2021. 
So on a lot of the photography forums, a lot of people are upset with him, especially micro four thirds shooters, because he can't make up his mind whether he thinks micro four thirds is dead or if more bodies are going to be released in 2021. Um, I don't think Micro Four Thirds is going anywhere anytime soon. I do, however, predict that there's a strong probability that Canon will be ending the EFM mirrorless APS-C platform in 2021, being replaced by the new R7, which is Canon's first APS-C body in the RF mount. So that is my prediction. Micro Four Thirds is not going anywhere just yet or maybe a ever, um, but the EF-M Canon mirrorless APS-C bodies, I think are going to see the end of the road by the end of 2021. But again, we'll have to wait and see. These are just my predictions. I may be close on some of the stuff. I may be way off on others. We don't know. We'll have to wait and see how 2021 plays out. So that is going to wrap up this week's episode. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is named the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I have also opened it up to allow you to give the names of a previous guest on the show, uh, which will also get you in and prove that you're a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work to the group. If you would like creative critique of your images, you can post them with a comment CC please, and myself or another pro in the group would be happy to give you some pointers. Now, I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the GFX 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions. The questions are, do you own or plan to own a GFX 50R, and what style of photography do you shoot primarily? You can find my work at www.liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my project at www.forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and the first book in the series, The Northwest Counties, is now available. All right, so I want to apologize to my listeners for getting this episode out so late on Thursday. I usually I try to get them out first thing in the morning. Yesterday was my beautiful wife Tina's birthday, and so we went out for a nice lunch, and then we went and stayed at a local resort up here in the Northeast and just had some quality time together, some peace and quiet, uh, some time to soak in the hot tub and stuff like that. And uh, so I got back uh, a little bit late today and had some other things we were doing with the with the kids and grandkids. So I got back uh, back here to the house a little bit late to record this episode. So I do apologize. I should be earlier again next week. We'll be back from our vacation and back home to the Atlanta area. Uh, but again, I wanted to apologize to all my listeners and thank you all once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing an Apple podcast, Google podcast, radio.com, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. And I will see you all again in another seven days. And since I forgot sooner, Happy New Year's, everybody.